could go in alone. We had just always felt welcomed and I don't know. It was magical. There's something magical about that in Frog because people talk about it every day. Someone will come to you and say, when are you reopening it? I'm like, I can't do that again. Hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that everyone and every interaction is meaningful. Today's guest is Pam Pados, a Connecticut entrepreneur who, in the span of five years, opened not one, but two beloved and successful restaurants in an upscale and competitive community. I met Pam in 2010 when I first moved to Connecticut to reinvent my magic business from scratch. She was the first, and for months, the only, local restaurant owner who took a chance on hiring a weekly magician. In this episode, Pam opens up about why she was able to create such thriving restaurants where most fail, how the business impacted her personal life, and, of course, her story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy. Pam, thank you so much for, for being here. I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome, Brian. I want to set the, the, the mood a little bit for the listeners because we are sitting in your restaurant, which is Popover Bistro and Bakery. Yes, exactly. When it first opened, was it Popover Cafe? It was Popover Cafe. Okay. Um, and Popover Cafe was in New York City. It had closed before we opened, but she still owned the name. And she did not want us to use the name, so we had to switch it really quickly to Bistro. But you know what? Bistro and Bakery, that's got such a, um, a quaint, acute feel to it, which really, it it really suits uh, Simsbury, Connecticut, which is the town right. it's in, which is this kind of picturesque, um, quintessential New England town. So that's, that's really nice. When I talk about you, and I do talk about you, uh, I would usually describe you as an entrepreneur. Is that how you see yourself? I think so. Yeah, I think I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Even as a young child, I was always like doing the lemonade stands and making beaded bracelets and trying to sell them and always trying to find a way to make a little cash on the side. So, yeah, yeah. It didn't happen until after my divorce that I truly became an entrepreneur and took a risk and opened a business. Okay. And the first business was? The Iron Frog. The Iron Frog Tavern, which is which is how we, we met. Exactly. Yeah. I, I met you at the Iron Frog Tavern uh, in 2010. How... I, I feel like it was relatively new when I got there. It was. I don't think it was even a year old. It opened October of 2009. Okay. So you've opened now two restaurants, then in the span of, because this opened in what, 2014? 14, June, yeah. So in the span of what, five or six years, you opened two different, both successful restaurants yeah. in a um, kind of a, a high-class, tight-knit town. That is not an easy thing to do. Is there something that you attribute your success twice because like once can be luck but you've done it twice i think it's because i know the community and i knew what it was lacking and the first time around was selfish reason i was just divorced i was a single mom and i wanted a place where i could really feel comfortable going out and meeting people and there was nothing like that in this area so i created it I'm like i'm going to open a bar a lot of people get divorced and they buy like a new handbag or like a really fancy couch. I'm like, I'm buying a bar. <laughs> so that was done sort of a selfish need. I wanted something fun. I wanted something social. And it turned into just a great thing in town. And it overwhelmed me. It was a lot running a bar and raising two kids. So okay. that's why I ended up selling that and coming into this, which is a little more healthful. And I knew that we needed this concept in town as well. That's interesting because I, I, I never really knew when it closed why it closed because it felt like it closed, that you sold it at the height of its success. Because it, it was doing, it was just 
doing so well. And, and anytime these days when I'm back in this area of Connecticut, if people recognize me at a show, they say, you know, haven't I seen you somewhere? And I go, did you ever go to the Iron Frog Tavern? In Simsbury, I used to do magic on Saturday nights. And they go, oh yeah. And the second I mention the Iron Frog, they, they get happy and sad all at the same time. You can, you can see it. People really miss it. Mm-hmm. You, you saw a need for it. What do you think was the quality of the Iron Frog uh, because when I first moved to Connecticut, which was 2010, within two weeks of moving here, I had no clients, nobody waiting for me. I left all my business in upstate, and I was trying to rebuild my business as a magician. And I was like four or five people within the first week in Simsbury said, oh, you should go check out the Iron Frog Tavern and talk to Pam. I think they would like what you do there. What do you attribute the success of the frog to? I think it was safe. I always think of it as safe, and I talked to a lot of different people in town. Um, it was safe for anybody to come into. Women could come in alone and feel comfortable. It was fun, it was inviting. And you'd walk in and you'd instantly feel like you saw a friend mm. inside. And I feel like it was just comfortable. But a lot, a lot of women in particular were like, it was safe. We could go in alone. We had just always felt welcomed and I don't know. It was magical. There was something magical about that Iron Frog because people talk about it every day. Someone will come to you and say, when are you reopening it? I'm like, I can't do that again. I just couldn't recreate it. Right, so you, you touched on that uh, a few minutes ago when you had said, you know, you were a single mom and you were running the frog and it was overwhelming. What about it was overwhelming? Um, the hours, okay. the responsibility. It was a huge responsibility as my kids were becoming teenagers and I would hear sirens at two in the morning and I'm running a bar with mm-hmm. 21 year olds in it and I didn't sleep at night. And it just came to a point where I, I didn't feel it was the right atmosphere for my kids in high school and it just wasn't good for me anymore. It was up until 2, 2.30 in the morning, then waking up at 6.30 and 7 and getting lunches made because I still, the mom role was the most important role to me. So juggling it all and it just, it was overwhelming. It was too much. But I didn't want it to keep going as Iron Frog. It was like, it was mine. Yeah. And I created it. And yeah. I was like, all right, it's at the top. And I don't want to go out in the bottom. I'd rather go out in the top and have everybody still wishing it was here. That's, it's, the, uh, it's the Seinfeld theory. They, uh, you know, uh, Seinfeld, after, after nine seasons, they were offered an unprecedented, at the time it would have been bigger than Friends money, uh, uh, and many years before it, they were offered an unprecedented deal to do a 10th season, and all four of them uh, met and had a conversation, and they all agreed to walk away, because Jerry always said, I'd rather, when people talk about Seinfeld, they say, it was the greatest show of all time. And that they don't go, it was the greatest show of all time, except for that last season. Right? <laughs> right exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I like that. What do you enjoy most about what you do, whether it's in the entrepreneur uh, kind of realm or here at, at, uh, at Popover, or in general in just kind of your, your relationship with the community? What do you enjoy most about it? I definitely enjoy the people. I enjoy, um, you know, we're talking about connection also. I enjoy that I connect with different people every day here and I feel a need that they can't get at other restaurants. And it's amazing we'll have little kids come in who have never had a waffle because they have gluten-free or dairy-free issues and they'll get this big Belgian waffle that they can eat and they smile and it's like, wow, that's amazing. Like something a little like food, but everybody has to eat and it's so important. Um, So I think it's definitely the connections with the community and. I like being busy. You never know what a day is gonna be like in the restaurant world. You have to be slightly crazy, I think, to own a restaurant or to be involved in this because you will work harder than in any other job and make like the smallest amount of money. <laughs> so, but you love it. It's just, it's a passion. I can really relate to that being busy constantly thing. I'm one of those people that if you give, I love the idea of a day off, 
and as soon as I have one, I lose my mind. Right. I if if I'm supposed to like. Um, just last week, Lindsay and I took our first vacation since our honeymoon uh, because I work seven days a week. I'm self-employed, and I'm always, even when I have a day off, I'm working all day yeah. um, or in between things. I'm working, right? Of course. Yeah, and so, like, last week, we went to Disney for a week, and that's my ideal vacation because it's so active. I don't have time to think about work. If I took a okay. beach vacation, I, with, I don't know, within three hours of relaxing, I'd be like, all right, relaxing is stressing me out. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be around people. I need energy. Right. That is a stereotypically extrovert uh, characteristic, mm-hmm. the gaining energy from being around other people. Uh, do you consider yourself an extrovert? I don't know. I go back and forth between the two because I can be in a crowded room and not want to talk to anybody. Um, and sometimes I want to be like the life of the party. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think about that all the time. I don't know if I'm a typical extrovert. Mm-hmm. I don't always like that. The whole point of this uh, particular show uh, is about chance encounters and the kind of ripple effect that they have on our, or that they can have on our lives and the lives of the people that we meet, seemingly insignificant interactions that we can have on a day-to-day basis. Do you have a story of somebody that you met that impacted you, you impacted them, or both? Yeah, I'd love absolu- to hear. A- absolutely. Um, a few years ago, I was out with a girlfriend, just grabbing a beer. I think we were watching a baseball game. Went to World of Beer in West Hartford Center, Blueback, and it was one of those nights where we weren't going to talk to anybody. Both single, we're not, we're not going to talk to anybody. We just want to hang out with each other, enjoy our company, have a few beers. And within an hour, there's a couple of guys standing by us, came over and talked to us, and one in particular who. I was talking to, um, very nice, very attractive guy, very athletic looking, um, outgoing, not someone who I would ever in my wildest dreams would, I think would have led me to yoga and to being mindful. And <laughs> um, But Chris, he was just getting into practicing yoga and was talking to me about all the benefits of it. And I was doing it very casually, but he introduced me to the yoga shop in West Hartford, which is where I started practicing yoga. And in the past two and a half years since I met Chris, I have made some of probably the best and most influential friends that I've had in my entire life through this little, we're not going to meet anybody, we're not going to talk to anybody. And instantly when I talked to you and I was looking at your book, I'm like, that's Chris for me. He brought me and we're good, we're good friends. We went on two dates and like, that's not going to work, but tell me more about yoga. <laughs> See, I, I love stories like that where you can, it's so easy to, to close yourself off, especially you said you were there with, with some girlfriends, right? Yeah. So I feel like most of the time when we're in social situations like that, especially when we go with friends, we tend to just stay in our own corner, hang out with each other. Um, but I also, you know, like you mentioned the book, I, I think somewhere in the book I talked about that, that it's actually, safety nets are not necessarily a bad thing, that you're sometimes more likely to actually reach out to somebody else when you know that your friends are there in case it doesn't work out and you just kind of, then, you know, you don't have a nice conversation, then you just slink back to your friends and it's, and it's okay. So brought you to yoga and we were mentioning kind of before we started uh, recording, I mean, maybe we were during the sound check or whatever, but uh, that yoga has become a big part of your life. Because I, I had actually mentioned that I, I see like on Instagram, like you're always posting yoga, and I know very little about it, but it's been suggested to me many times. And you mentioned mindfulness, which is th- this term that's really taken off 
in culture. It was actually, the, the word itself was actually invented by Dr. Ellen Langer. Um, have you ever read her book? I haven't actually. Highly recommend. So her book w uh, came out 25 years ago. Okay. It's called Mindfulness. She was the one who invented the term. She's this uh, like groundbreaking social psychologist who's, I think, still a professor at Harvard in her, in her 70s now. Um, it was at the time she was studying mindlessness in the 70s. She was studying in social experiments the things that we do without thinking, and she accidentally happened upon this idea of staying present as the antidote, basically. And now the term's been taken a little bit away from her uh, and kind of just become a pop culture term. What does mindfulness mean to you? Um, just being present. I feel like a lot of times in my life I have been going through motions, but I wasn't truly present. Um, I would be at my daughter's hockey game and I would be taking pictures of her playing and I'd be sending you know, my ex-husband, oh, here's a score, she just, she just you know, shot a goal, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't watching the game. And I just was never like fully present in a moment, even having a conversation with someone, I'd be thinking about what I need to do next. And I think yoga slowed me down. I know yoga slowed me down and it, have, it has me just thinking a little bit more, taking a deep breath, not reacting but mainly being present in moments, in important moments that we're not always present, especially as parents. We're doing so many different things and we're not truly, we might be with our kids, but we're not with them. I, yeah, I think that we have all, and I think actually adults have become much worse. For, for a while there, a lot, you know, adults, parents, educators were really kind of waving that blame finger at kids for being on their phones too much. And then all of a sudden, a few years ago, it's, it's switched. And I, and I feel like adults, parents are so much worse. And, and I don't feel like I have a right to talk because I'm not a parent. And I know parents, you know, get, a, you know, a little, uh, I don't know, uppity when somebody who's not a parent talks about parenting. But it's so easy to just look. I know that as, a, as an entertainer, I, I don't do magic in restaurants anymore. But uh, when I even a few years ago, as I was on the tail end of doing magic, and, and I was still maintaining one more one restaurant somewhere, even a few years ago, I would see it where you would come up to the table, and say, you know, I'm the magician here tonight, and you remember what it used to be like, even when we were working together, where kids, families would, oh, they would just light up, and like parents were like thank goodness there's something for our kids to do. And then they would watch their kids experience magic, right. maybe for the first time live, like that close. Yeah, you never absolutely. get that close. And even as of a few years ago, this started happening and now it's really bad. I talk to friends who are restaurant magicians uh, these days. The parents, they will say yes and then they'll make their kids put their phones down. The kids don't want to. The kids don't want to watch magic. Right. They, want, they get upset that they have to watch magic. Right. And then after they make their kids put their phones down, the kids start watching, and the parents ignore the performance on their phones. Their parents don't even watch their kids. Because someone's entertaining the experience kids. Experience because someone's entertaining the kids. So you feel like yoga really helped you kind of? Absolutely, just to tune, in, tune into myself. That's great. More. I might have to might have to, to hit you up for a yoga class at some point. Take Absolutely. me with you or something. Oh, <laughs> I love introducing people to yoga. I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know how those tights are gonna work out for me. It <laughs> <laughs> seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it is a bad idea. You don't need short tights. <laughs> Think sweatpants or something. We're gonna, I'm gonna kind of slightly change gears here. Um, actually, you know, what? before I change gears, let me stay on the topic of meeting people for the first time. I'm curious because there's always such a different perspective. Like, it's like, I wonder if, if you asked Chris, if I asked him the same question about meeting you, if he would tell me a very different story or a, perspe a different perspective on meeting you than you about Maybe. him. And so I wonder, because I know how it felt like for me to walk into the frog and have you be so open to the idea, which in Connecticut, 
was very different. I came from Buffalo where there was a magician in every restaurant. Right. No one in Connecticut had a magician or had even thought of it or heard of such a thing. And you were so open to it where, I don't know if you know, but like I talked to a hundred restaurants in three months and you were the only person who even entertained the idea, really? let alone actually I said yes. I thought you were and, so kooky and I, I, was, I loved it. I was like, yeah, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you a lot at first, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but what's amazing about that is that because I had just moved and I had no other work waiting for me, I was expecting to be able to get work quickly because I had right. done so well in upstate New York and in Buffalo and then I didn't realize how different Connecticut yeah. was and for the first six months of living here I burned through all my savings and I was really almost borderline couldn't afford to eat and for the first few months the frog was like pretty much the only income I had even though it was very small at the time yeah, if, you know something. and it was something and there was a time um, of just two or three months in when your one of your former business partners, they, for whatever reason, when I came in one night, they said, you know, we'd like to only have you here every other week or maybe not at all. Maybe we just don't want to do this anymore. I, I couldn't afford to lose two days of my four, let alone be fired at all. I would, there's no way I would have made it. And I was panicked and I reached out to you and you vetoed that decision right away. I've always wondered why, what you saw that, that they didn't. Oh, geez. I have to bring myself back to that moment. I, I knew I had friends who personally enjoyed seeing you there. My children enjoyed seeing you there. I told them about the interview. They're like, oh my God, really? We loved him. I think I saw the value in it and I saw it growing. And he and I butted heads on a lot of things, which is why he ended up being my former business partner. Hopefully he's not listening. Um, <laughs> That's why I said they and not he. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it grew. Like people came there to see you. Was it Tuesday nights? Was it- oh, well, we, I don't know what we started doing. We ended up doing Saturdays. Crazy busy eventually. Actually, at one point, it got almost too busy. Towards the end, it was almost so busy, I was starting to have trouble working there. And I was starting, I think we were starting to talk about switching to a less busy night to try to increase a less busy night instead. But that's interesting because you saw the the potential long term. You saw potential instead of seeing what was actually in front. Because I had, in those days, I, I used to have to explain to restaurants, you know, they would be like, well, let's try it for a week. And I'm like, you you're not going to see the value. You need right. to give me three months right. at least, which I know for a, like a local restaurant owner is a lot of commitment and a lot of money to right. commit. And having magic on Saturdays was just one more thing for one type of person, right. not for everybody, right. but for a certain type of person. And, and I'm sure... You became very attuned to the business because I do re- recall if food was running late to a table, I could say... Brian, you need to go over to table eight. Their foods are like, keep them occupied. Things are running late. Or if someone was waiting a long time for a table, you would go over to people and they would just forget about that. They would forget the food was late or something happened bad service-wise. So you became very attuned to how we ran the business and keeping customers happy. So you became like a part of the I, business. Your, your restaurant was probably the, uh, the Iron Frog was the, the only restaurant. I've worked in probably 12 plus restaurants since I was 16 as a magician. I kind of miss doing it. Um, I can't sustain it anymore for for the work that I do now and, and, and the commitment and, and what it pays and everything. But but I built my career doing restaurants and yours really was the only one, with maybe one other exception, that really I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Every other restaurant I ever worked in, they went well, but I felt like I was just a stranger kind of meddling in their business once a week. Like they, a lot of times, that's probably too harsh, but it, it, I, I didn't feel like I got became a part of the family in most restaurants. Like, they liked me on that night for those two hours, 
but I really felt like I could come in any time on any day oh, and people yeah. would treat me like, like, you know, part of the family. They felt so. like you were part of things. All the cooks knew who you were. Yeah. They'd be like, well, well, show us. I've <laughs> ran in, I've ran into them randomly since, uh, really? what, um, oh, August, right? yeah, back in August, uh, totally like, like, an, I don't know, like an hour from here, Lindsay and I were out doing something. We just on a whim walked into a restaurant in some town we'd never been in before. Okay. And was it Kevin and the whole crew? Yeah. They yes. were, they were all there. <laughs> It was like, what, we got that photo, we texted you a selfie, yeah, it was crazy. That was great. That was, that was so wild. I, I'm gonna wrap up with, if you ran into a, uh, a childhood friend, you know, someone that you haven't seen or heard from or had any contact with in, I don't know, 20 plus years, no social media, right? What would most surprise them about you? Oh, geez. Probably that I don't live in my hometown or home state. Everyone stayed in that area. My whole family is still in the town I grew up from, and I like blew the coop when I was 18. <laughs> where where um, are you from? South Hadley, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not so too far away. Hop across the, yeah, uh, the border. Yeah, close enough but... to go home, but far enough that no one does a drop-in. <laughs> that's, that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> why, why would they be surprised by that? Because my whole family is still in town. Would they be surprised that you've run, you know, these successful businesses and kind of went out on your own? Or would that be something that they would be like, yeah, I could totally see that? I think they would say they could totally see it because yeah. I was kind of always a little bit unique in wanting to do my own thing. And I didn't always do things that made other people happy. You know, if I was going to date someone that was from the town with like, that nobody liked anyone that was opposing football team. Like, oh, great. <laughs> I was like, did do things do, on my own. Did you do things like that out of just kind of a uh, anarchic, like, I, I want to cause trouble, or because you saw something in it that nobody else saw? Probably I saw something in it that no one else saw, and I've always been very independent. I'm the daughter of a strong German woman who's an entrepreneur, and so... What does your mom do? She um, was in the travel industry. She owned a travel agency oh, wow. for years. She doesn't anymore because... The travelocity, <laughs> everything took over, but like, she's also... We could have a whole conversation about that. Yeah, <laughs> she's in her late 70s, too, and sure. she still has people who call her from all around the country to book tours. Um, but no, she was she owned her own business and did really well at it. Very successful, worked her ass off. I, uh, I really appreciate, uh, yeah, appreciate your time and coming yeah, in on, uh, on, I don't know, a day off. or do you, do you get days off now that this is a little bit calmer here? I get days off all the time that I come in and work. <laughs> You get days off and you come, yeah, of course. And we can, isn't it a curse? We can, we can just work from everywhere now all yeah. the time. Seriously, because I can do is, a lot of this from home too. Yeah. yeah the back, back office stuff. Well, I really appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks for not just taking a chance, you know, when you were younger on dating somebody else in some weird place or taking a chance in a restaurant, but thank you for taking a chance on me because it, it, it dramatically changed the course of my life in ways I didn't know at the time. All I was trying to do was make ends meet at the time, but getting that foundation, having that, it's the closest thing a, mag, a self-employed magician would ever have to like a, like a paycheck, uh, having that and knowing that I never felt like I was in danger of that, that someday you were going to try to cut costs and get rid of them and, and that I was going to be the first thing you were going to do to cut costs. I always knew it was possible. It's always possible, but I never felt like that. That security, even if it was kind of an, an imagined security, uh, gave me such a, a, a groundwork for, for building this, this crazy thing that I've done. So thank you for that. Really You're welcome. It. it goes back to the Iron Frog being a safe place. It really was. Mm -hmm.
Thanks so much for tuning in to One New Person. Before you find a funny cat video and move on, I just wanted to share a couple of takeaways from this episode. First, even though she didn't say it in these words, Pam attributes her success to listening. Listening to the community and its people and showing up in a way that was desperately needed. And it wasn't a fluke. She did it again with a completely different type of restaurant. The lesson? Find the people you want to impact and listen to them. They'll tell you what to do. Second, I love that Pam discovered the power of staying present by doing exactly that. By opening herself up to meeting new people on that fateful night, she met Chris, who led her to yoga, which taught her how to be even better at staying present and mindfulness. The lesson here? All good things come from stepping outside of our comfort zone. And if you're anxious about it, it's okay to set up a safety net, as long as you leap anyway. This is One New Person. I'm Brian Miller, and we'll see you next time.